0: Hi, this is Kristen Regal. And
1: this is Paul Rock.
0: And welcome to the Common Room Podcast. Um, every Sunday at 1045, we gather together to talk about life and spirituality, about the common experiences we share, as well as some of the questions we wrestle with.
1: We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to see you some Sunday at 1045. What? What are the other elements or things that are invisible that are a part of the atmosphere of the air? So we know there's little particulates that we are smelling. What what else is floating through the air?
0: Viruses. Uh, Viruses. Yeah. <laughs> before you, you so,
1: so you you jumped you jumped to the punchline. But before we get there, what what else what else is floating through the air? Elements. elements. Right. So oxygen and uh, is it hydrogen? What's the is it hydrogen? nitrogen nitrogen. Right. nitrogen is 70% like oxygen is like 25% then there's water vapor and there's other things that are that are part of the the air that we breathe in that gives us life. Uh, what else? Dust. Dust, particulates, right?
0: Dead
1: pollen. skin cells. Dead skin cells. Yeah? Yeah, anyone else getting pollens? It's just just in the last 2 weeks all of a sudden you're like and you know what pollen is? Old and
0: mildew
1: it's not mold and mildew, no, but there I is mold and mildew. But you know, <laughs> pollen is the one of the ways that trees reproduce, right? So you got this tree sperm basically floating through the air that we are <laughs> breathing in. <right? laughs> did I make you giggle? No. no. I didn't. no. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> Your daughter's reaction. Really oh, my daughter did. Okay. Let's see how <laughs> <awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, in, and as we as we breathe in oxygen, we are breathing in. Um, and everything else we breathe in, just so you know as well, in a room like this, uh, we are breathing in each other's exhaled breath. right? So we are literally sharing breath with each other. Um, and we are breathing in the oxygen that we're getting is coming from uh, the plants and the algae that as they breathe, right, take in carbon dioxide and other things and expel through various things, uh, weighs um, oxygen into the air. And so it's this incredible symbiotic relationship that we have with creation all the time, that we don't think about, that's just invisible. And the Hebrew people called that the breath of God. Like this atmosphere that we live in, that is invisible, and we, and we might not even think affects us, affects us all the time, right? Another thing that I thought was interesting that kind of unites us, not just with creation and the air and plants, but also with animals, um, I've got a new, um, a new term for you all, maybe you are familiar with this, but zoonotic, a zoonotic virus uh, is what the coronavirus is. So the coronavirus, you know, is a family of viruses. So do you know what different coronaviruses are? SARS, SARS is a coronavirus. Um, okay. Common cold is a, is a, common, is a, is a part of our, the virus. The flu is a coronavirus. So these are all coronaviruses, and the COVID 19 is, is another coronavirus. It's just a novel one. It's a, new, it's a new one that we aren't quite sure what to do with. But it's called a zoonotic virus um, because it can travel between humans and animals. So we share viruses with each other. And so if we think about it, all this invisible stuff that goes on, that life depends on, that all sorts of things are floating through, it's dangerous, right? And it's life-giving at the same time. And you can't escape it. The simple act of breathing is both super risky and essential to life. I was thinking about, if you don't want to catch the coronavirus, we all know what you do. First of all, you, you do what? your your breath. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> she keeps stealing my punchlines. So, you wash your hands, right? You, wa- you wash your hands as much as you can. You don't touch your eyes or your mouth, or whatever, and just don't inhale. Like, if you don't inhale, you're good. You will never catch the coronavirus, and you will soon asphyxiate, right? You will... You'll die. We, as, as humans, as creatures, and my father in law can correct me on this, but we are one of only like two or three animals that can regulate our breath, that can hold our breath. If you throw a chimpanzee or an ape underwater, they will drown because they don't know how to hold their breath and they've got a whole lot of body mass more than us, they'll just go to the bottom. But, but humans know how to regulate our breath. There's a a couple of diving birds that can do it, but but really, we can do that. Uh, Most of the time, you live in this risky thing that you do of, of exhaling and inhaling, whether you want to or not. When you go to sleep at night and you become unconscious, your body takes over, right? And you unconsciously, that just continues to happen. If you want to, however, as a human, you can hold your breath. And sometimes, for us... Living in the world, some days, some weeks, some years, it feels like you're just holding your breath. That's one of the ways we cope as humans, is we choose to hold our breath and just not interact, not deal with it. And, and we live <laughs> in this kind of, these little worlds, these little tribes, sometimes it's just us or us and a few other people um, that are kind of governed by um, fear, and concern, and apprehension, and the thing that we share with creation and with God um, is that whether we want to or not, at some point we've got to breathe, and the good news um, in our belief is that when we do breathe, we can breathe in and be a part of the, the breath of God in the world, that we can choose to, to be that, we can choose to do that, we can choose to be a part of that, and so I want us to just take a moment as we're talking about breath, and I would like us just to practice breathing together. So, if you have done this before, I would encourage you just to sit in a way however you're comfortable. Um, and and if you um, if you don't know it, you're already carrying some worries and some stresses. So, I'm going to invite you just to either close your eyes or just kind of softly gaze into the uh, to the wall beyond. And um, and first of all, just sh- just kind of roll your shoulders a few times. That's where a lot of things just kind of sit dormant and just to be aware of that and to allow yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of stretch and just feel your body, feel your shoulders, feel the fact that you are in a a body, an amazing body. Feel your head, your torso, feel your legs, feel your feet against the ground rooted in this creation that we're a part of. And then I invite you just to take a long deep breath in and hold it for just a few seconds and then let it out let your whole body relax and then this time as we breathe in I want you just in your mind to literally envision the air around you the atmosphere around you that is affected by your breathing and the, and the, the air that you breathe in just see it go into your mouth but then Watch it go into your head and into your lungs and watch it fill up your whole body. Let's just breathe in together now slowly. Hold it for a second. Doesn't it feel good just to breathe? It is a beautiful and grounding elemental part of who we are. And it's natural and it's unconscious, but it's also dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to breathe. It's a dangerous thing to to be a part of the world. It's a dangerous thing before you even choose to get up in the morning and put your feet on the floor and engage in a life that's filled with gravity and with other people and with food and with moving cars and all the risks that we take in life before you even do that your body is already breathing you're living in this risky realm this biosphere where your well-being depends on the well-being of other people whether you're caring for yourself that affects me whether I'm caring for myself that affects you whether I'm caring for myself and caring about the world affects the world and affects this mysterious, invisible space around us. And however healthy or unhealthy the air and the spirit is around me or the ground is, that affects me. Right? We are trapped in this collaborative game of life that is risky and dangerous. But it's also life-giving and inspiring and empowering, it is this magical both and that we get to be a part of and we get to share it together which i think is pretty amazing um the 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 thing that um uh has um, kind of been on my mind as i've been thinking about this whole idea of of, of breathing and living in life is uh is as we're, we're kind of going through this lenten season and working up to easter um, there's, a, um, there's a passage in John, John's gospel, John chapter 20, and, and John, the fourth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John wrote the, gospel, wrote the last gospel. So the gospel that he wrote was probably about 40 years after the gospel of Mark was written. So John was the one who got to kind of sit in this new Christian identity for a while, Jewish-Christian thing that was happening. And his writing was, was the last, one of the last writings and, and so his, what we call his Christology, his understanding of creation, took some time, kind of evolved a little bit more. So it's, it's really interesting when you read John's stuff. And, and in the beginning of John's gospel, he starts off his gospel the exact same way. You, what, what you can know about John is he was Jewish, and he was also a big fan of the book of Genesis. So that book was around when he was there, and he had read it as a boy, probably had chunks of it memorized. And he, uh, like, in his gospel, like, started to rewrite Genesis, So, you guys remember how Genesis chapter 1, if anybody, of you've read the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, do you know how it starts, the first few words? In the beginning. In the beginning. God created, right? In the beginning, God created. The Gospel of John, the first chapter, starts in the beginning. In the beginning. So he's rewriting, just explicitly. I'm just, I'm rewriting the whole creation right here. In the beginning, he says, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And life came into being through the word. And so John takes this kind of uh, Greek and Hebrew understanding of the word and personifies it in Christ because he says, and then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's like John takes this kind of God floating above and creating earth, and John just right says that the word became flesh and dwelt, you know, pitched its tent among us, and God was incarnated. God became part of who we were. And then in, um, later on, and there's other references to Genesis throughout John's gospel, but then in chapter 20 is the part where, um, in, if you guys know the story of, of Jesus' life, at, at the end of his three-year ministry, um, Jesus was a pretty good guy. He was, he was kind of radical. He, he wasn't afraid to kind of speak the truth to power. And as a result of that, the powerful religious people as well as powerful uh, governmental officials had kind of had enough of him. And at, at his time of need, as Jesus was preaching love and to love one another, his disciples betrayed him, his best friends betrayed him, and left him, uh, and he was arrested, unjustly arrested, unjustly accused. So it's always interesting to think about how we, um, how we as a Christian, European, American, white nation, have got this wonderful white Jesus who is the basis of who we are, you know, and it's kind of, we built our nation state, we are one people under God, right, in America. Jesus was a brown-skinned man, a Palestinian man, living at a time when a foreign European empire was over his part of the world, and he was unjustly accused and arrested and tortured and finally led away as an innocent man and, uh, and nailed to a tree and was executed by the religious leaders in the state. That's our God. <laughs> And John says in in chapter 20, when Jesus, um, prior to chapter 20, when when he kind of explains the the, um, crucifixion of Christ, talks about how Jesus then was put into the ground. Interesting creation analogy, right? And he stayed in the ground. Anybody know how many days? Three days, just kind of long enough for a quick germination. And then he comes up out of the ground. What what image is that? Do Do you remember where he came up out of the ground? In a garden. That's where the disciples and Mary, that's where they found him, in a garden. Jesus comes up out of the ground, the resurrected Christ. And what, and what we understand in this understanding of the gospel is that Jesus, God, right? Jesus was God. It's kind of like John is saying, all right, it's time for creation, volume two. So then God comes to earth. God is this person. He's got skin. He's got all, you know, everything and deals with all the stuff, breathing in the atmosphere, interacting with people. And uh, one of the reasons the first creation kind of went sideways is because we just we started getting pissed at each other and taking stuff that wasn't ours. We got angry and we hit somebody and then you hit my friend. So I'm going to hit your friend and then just this cycle of violence. And that's just what you do. You know, someone talks trash about you. You talk trash about them. And that's just that's what we learn to do. And and it's like God came in Christ and said, okay, we're going to we're going to try this again. And this is what we're going to do this time. All that anger and that violence, that vitriol, pour it on me. And so the betrayals, okay, I'll take that. Uh, The anger, the hatred, I'll take that. The deception, I'll take that. The trash talk, I'll take that. The violence, the unjust, uh, the the oppression, uh, the inequity, I'll take that. The torture, sure, I'll take that as well. And it's as if God inhaled all the goodness of creation, but also all the shit. All the stuff that we can do. All the nasty stuff, the worst angels of our nature. God just said, okay... God inhaled it all, and rather than exhale with retribution, anger, I'm going to get you, this is what you deserve, because probably we do, instead, God exhaled the most powerful force in the world, which was forgiveness. And the cycle of violence and retribution and anger ended. And he said, this is the new creation. I am remaking the world, and it's based in love and forgiveness. That's the soil of the new creation. And then John says that Jesus went, this resurrected Christ, after he came up out of the ground, he went and he found his disciples. And you know where his disciples were? Hiding. They're hiding. Why? Because they were scared. They stayed inside because they were afraid what was going to happen to them if they left. And there was good reason, good reason to fear. They, they, it was prudent. But Jesus found his way right into the midst of them, and I've got to read it to you. This is what it says. Jesus found, found in them in their room. <clears throat> and It says, uh, the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. And Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Like, just breathe. Just peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It's me. Remember your your buddy who you betrayed? I got crucified. It's me. And when his disciples saw that it was the Lord, they were filled with joy. Isn't that great? So their fear all of a sudden gets transformed into into joy. What a great composting thing. Like just take this fear, throw it here. I'll give you joy back. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so now I am sending you, right? So you're not just going to sit in this joy and peace. This is how it works. And then it says he breathed on them. And the Greek word that is used there is actually, it it can be translated, he breathed into them, the same way you breathe into a flute. Jesus breathed on them, breathed into them. I mean, kind of a little bit gross, a little bit inappropriate. Literally like breathed into them, breathed onto them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. That's power we're given. And basically, we become the first fruits of the new creation, this creation that's going to remake the world, it's going to help to fix the wrongs of the world through forgiveness and love and reconciliation. That's powerful, powerful stuff. The, the One of the things that we um, talk about in my family is, uh, is the need to... Um, you know, like basically it's okay to be selfish. It's okay to take care of yourself. And, and one, of the, one of the mantras is you, you, you have to breathe in before you can breathe out. Kind of like how you got to take the, the an oxygen mask first before you, you know, put it on somebody else. So we've got to take time to breathe in. Take care of yourself. Eat enough. Get enough sleep. Do whatever. You know, take care of yourself. Love yourself so that you can then breathe out and love others, empower others, encourage others, forgive others, do all those things that we really, the best parts of ourselves. But if you don't breathe in first, you do that pretty poorly. Or if you all you do is breathe out, you get kind of bitter, right? <laughs> and you get a little bit judgy. Uh, so make sure you breathe in. That's really important to breathe in. But then you've also got to breathe out. Um, there's a, a part of, the, part of the, the world that's important to my family, um, and I'm almost done talking. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a story on my wife here. Um, we uh, go to California on a regular basis because well, Stacy went to school there, um, and then Stacy and I, after we lived in Europe for a few years, we went to uh, Southern California um, where we both we ended up having three babies there, and we both got our graduate degrees, and it was an intense ten years. Um, but uh, we would get to the you know get to the ocean whenever we could, and especially Stacy, and so. Um, then after, ever since then, we've lived in other places, we get back to California fairly regularly. And every time we go to California, we know that we've got to make a pilgrimage. And Stacy has got to get to the ocean. Like, literally has got to get... I'm going to cry. I'm <laughs> It's happening. contagious. It's, like it's contagious. So, <laughs> But has to literally get there and, like, look at the water... And if you've ever been to the ocean, especially the West Coast, there's always, always a breeze coming off the ocean. Like, And it's, you know, a little bit chilly, and it's a little bit salty. So some of us aren't huge fans of standing there all that time. She can literally stand there, and she'll get lost, and she will be there for hours. I'm not kidding. Like, sitting or standing for hours. And I've learned that, like, I would just have to kind of take the kids someplace else because, like, Stacy's doing this thing. and uh, <laughs> And I remember... Uh, asking her after all, I was like, like, what's the deal? And uh, she said, well, you know, like in our family, we talk about breathing in and breathing out. So when I stand here, I just get to stand in front of creation, and God just breathes out on me all the time. And I just get to breathe in. And God just exhales, love." and grace and forgiveness and beauty and power and reconciliation and all the good things. And I thought, gosh, I get that. That's wonderful. And the thing is that you don't have to go, I mean, it's great if you can get to the beach and stand. But our theology is that our God never inhales. Our God just exhales onto each one of us. Love, incredible love. God is so in love with you guys, with all of us. And God, all God does is breathe and exhale love and grace and forgiveness and empowerment and life all the time. And our job is to get ourselves in a place where we can just breathe that in and receive that. And allow ourselves to get filled up with that, and remember how beautiful we are, and how we are a part of the new creation, and that the Spirit of the Living God of Creation lives in us, so that we can be a part of planting the new creation, and everything we do, whether it's new relationships, or the way we interact with the soil, the way we interact with our coworkers, we are the answer we're looking for. As the disciples are huddled in their room, like, what's going to happen? as those of us are kind of huddled in our rooms or in our chat groups like, ah, shit, what's going to happen? It's like Jesus shows up in the middle of us and says, you're going to happen. You're going to happen. Because I've blown my spirit of love and forgiveness and healing in you. And it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be risky, and it's going to be scary, and it's going to be slow, and it's not going to be easy. But I'm blowing you out into this world, and you got to find your little corner. And with somebody else, you're gonna, you're gonna be the new creation. And the relationships, and the parts of the world, and your jobs, that's us. That's what we get to be. We get to be a part of this spirit. We get to perpetuate this life, this atmosphere. When I think about all this stuff, it, um, it can be. Uh, Overwhelming, both in a beautiful way, as you can tell from my tears, but also like thinking about everything that's going on in the world and what to do. And and the great thing is, is that when we think about ourselves in isolation, we can get caught in those circles of fear. But all you got to do is talk to a few people, literally like the people around this room, and you will hear about the stuff that they're already doing. And you're like, oh God, that's really cool. You know, you're involved with artists and doing this. You're involved with healthcare and doing this. You're involved with mentoring youth and doing this. You're involved. That's really cool. We just got to tell our stories and remind each other how great you know these things are um and one of the one of the one of my heroes in this whole deal is is sarah pope who uh part of her being a part of this community was kind of challenged and overwhelmed a little bit and uh and kind of said god how can i be a part of this and so i've invited sarah to come and kind of tell her story a little bit although we don't have the pictures so you're going to have to paint your verbal pictures okay. so welcome sarah <laughs>
0: Sure, go for it, yeah. Story? Okay, so, um, well, I was thinking about, like, how do I tell the story of the what I've gotten involved in, and I thought, to get a good sense of who I am, I should just start with a list of the things that I worry about, because <laughs> it's pretty illuminating. So, here's the list. Social justice, economic inequality, affordable housing, public schools, the environment, gun violence, prairie loss, habitat wildlife loss, childhood obesity. So it's like a little fragment of the things that are like bouncing around in my head all day. And so when I was thinking about what I would share um, about this project I got involved in, it kind of goes back to this like big insecurity I felt and um, when I was gonna have a baby for the first time, you know, thinking like I had a lot of doubt and uncertainty and just like sheer terror. And then I had this thought that, you know, the, the baby would be the answer to like, you know, what what I need to know. and to build my life forward and, and that's going to be the scaffolding and um, and there was something about you know having that baby and being like oh this is way too big of a burden to put on the tiny baby's shoulders like this is not his problem <laughs> <laughs> you're projecting
1: everything on <laughs>
0: who owns it, and can I buy this? And I ended up finding five parcels all together in this really sunny corner. It's like it's um, it's at 35th and Prospect, like one block east on this really pretty like residential neighborhood, this roundabout area. And all five parcels were available, and uh, I thought it was just so beautiful. And when you stand on it, you're like, this is like a spiritual, beautiful place.
1: I and mean, there were homes there at one point. They'd been torn down, and so it was just kind of you know, of trash. I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. So. Where exactly, like, tell us a little bit about that neighborhood and and the people, the whatever.
0: Yeah, okay, so it's the Oak Park neighborhood, which is...
1: Yeah, and one of one of the things that you see that's kind of hard about this environment we all live in and share is that the the, the, the imbalance in the nitrogen and oxygen, or the imbalance in the carbon, or whatever. Mortgage. What's that? The ability to get a mortgage. Yes. So the reason it's so easy for me to get a mortgage is because it's not easy for someone else to get a mortgage. The reason it's my kids have such a good public school. Uh, Typically that means there's some place where it's not happening, right? Now that that's an, an equitable place that we live in. And so it's not just the atmosphere that gets imbalanced, it's the socioeconomics that get imbalanced. And so this is it's all tied together. And they've done studies recently that have shown that that the hottest parts of cities are also the blackest parts of cities. Because the investment in trees and canopies and boulevards and stuff is much more maintained and up and upkept in white parts of town, and and that also where heat is increased, um, agitation is increased. And so you see how all of this stuff kind of works its way together, and so you can have, in, in systematic divestment in one area of a town, you can literally make it hotter, and you can um, take away some hope, right, and some and some life, and to take away funding for schools and all that kind of stuff. But So it's interesting that God kind of led you to that interesting corner, rich, beautiful people, rich, beautiful neighborhood, but a place that had experienced um, kind of a, a pulling away of resources. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was amazing because when you have your feet on the soil there, you know, you look at it on a map and you're like, oh, I don't know about that. And you go there and you stand there and you're like, but well, this is beautiful. And, <laughs> and it is beautiful. And I think people, you know, when they take walks through the neighborhood, they'll sit there and stand and sit on the stoop because there are old rock walls that they used as retaining walls when it was homes there. So there are these, like, elements that are just so beautiful with this like it's, you know, I feel like intentional somehow, you know, even though the homes aren't there, there's still this kind of like warm spirit there. So we took the Giving Grove out there, that's part of the community gardens that helps plant fruit trees in underserved neighborhoods and provide fruit um, for the the community. And they loved it, they said it was great, so we kind of put this project in the works, and um, in 2015 we bought the land.
1: And who'd you buy the land from?
0: Well, two of the parcels came from the land bank, and the three of them I love the project," he said. "I'm glad you're just doing something with them because they've just been sitting there. And you know, um, if you have properties in the land bank, no one's paying the taxes on those because the city owns them. So that's something that is, you know takes away from the public schools because there's just one less hmm. you know parcel that's paying in. So um, so we took those over, and then we started getting involved in the neighborhood association because we do have a really robust neighborhood association. We get together once a month and we talk about just everything that's going on. As Ty, my older boy has that older, I take
1: him with me to these meetings mm-hmm. he's investing too. He's taking his time there. How many other uh, uh, white families are, are a part of that neighborhood?
0: I would say a handful. Okay. There's probably about three that come regularly to uh-huh. the meetings. uh Yeah. But you see like a lot of older people too. Yeah. You know, this is their neighborhood. They've grown up there. And yeah. they are, you know, they are fighting. They want this too. Yeah. 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 and be there with them but it, I really love that and so I think it's really good for Ty too to kind of hear their stories um, so we got involved with that and then in 2017 we planted the trees and we had a ton of help from our second family there were so many of us um, all there uh, putting in the trees Ty was there too hmm -hmm. Somebody said, "Don't you worry about the fruit being stolen? It's not really being stolen. You know, like, (laughs) give it." Yeah.
1: So then what did you do? Some more land became available or...
0: but in prairies you have these plants that bring in you know all sorts of um, nutrients to the soil and then they provide this oxygen, so it's really a wonderful thing. When you put in turf grass, it's just like, the, it, doesn't, it doesn't add anything, there's a lot of runoff. So I found five parcels about a block up and a block over from where the the orchard is and I was like, let's put in some native plants here to help with the stormwater runoff and, you know, help with um, pollinator diversity and, Bird food and, and those types of things, and so I wanted to do this project. And I was talking to the neighborhood associate about it. He, uh, I got my blessing from the president. He said it's a great idea. So I'm going through all of these um, project proposal things so I can take it to the land bank to buy these five parcels. And the land bank said, "Well, we're not selling parcels for gardens anymore because they've had some problems with us. I guess people bought them and like got taken care of them." So I was really despairing, you know, like, "Well, how am I going to how am I going to do this project if I can't get these parcels?" and you know we have this project plan, It's going to be so pretty. And the neighborhood association president said, like, "Don't worry about it, Sarah. The neighborhood can buy those parcels, and then you can plant the garden. You can, you can just do it." <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, it it's such a gift, such a blessing to be able to have that relationship where we built that trust, and you know we can move forward and, and keep going. Really, to say, okay, we started with this orchard. We're going to keep going with the orchard, but where else can we, you know, add our, our love? And, Together to do something that's kind of beautifying, but also hopefully make a difference for the soil and the insects and the birds that live around. And, and really, selfishly, I want those pollinators to go to my apple orchard <laughs> <laughs> and pollinate the trees there. You know, that's critical. <laughs> I mean, there's like a lot of selfish motivations there, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it feels really amazing, and I hope that, you know, that my children will understand, you know, over the long haul, kind of, what we're involved in and why, why it's so important to just to be present and to know your neighbors and to love your neighbors, and um, maybe even initially it's outside of your comfort zone, but then you realize this is a wonderful place, I'm very comfortable here, so that's kind of what the experience has been like, and I hope that it's helpful to share this. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, questions? What was the last one? Juju Jujubee. They're like little berries. I think you make jelly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. <laughs> the giving grown picked them, so. But they're really like tolerant to our climate, and they're pretty mm-hmm. disease resistant. So. Yeah. Yeah. We did pick some last year, but it makes it pretty good. You're supposed to let the roots get really strong before you let the tree yeah. create fruit.
1: So. Are fruit tree pollinators bees, or are you looking for prairie? I mean, I'm asking. Oh.
0: Well, I think it is mostly bees. Okay. But I am a lover of all pollinators. Okay. So if like we have like butterflies fly around. It would make me really happy. I don't know if they have much use for apples. apples. So, were you much of a gardener before this, or have you kind of learned this whole body of knowledge <laughs> in doing this project? I think it goes back to being like a, a teenager. I used to work in a greenhouse, so and I used to, like little peaches by the side of the road, and sometimes I would take flowers and the plant them. That... One time, I grew. Up Tomato in my apartment <coughs> in January. And Adam thought that was really cool. So, you know, there's like always, even when I was like in a little landlocked apartment, finding ways to just try to grow stuff. Yeah. I always love that. But I am learning more because I yeah. don't really have
1: that of a body of knowledge. Any, <laughs> other, any other questions for Sarah? So, I, I just think it's amazing that, um, I mean, I think Sarah's amazing, but I think all of us are amazing. Right. Um, one one of uh, I, I, before she um, ran for uh, the presidency, <laughs> did you go, you guys know that uh, Marilyn Williamson? Did you ever read her stuff? Yeah. But one one of my favorite quotes of hers uh, is that she says, "Our our deepest fear as humans is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is actually that we are powerful beyond measure." And I think it's true. But the thing is, the way we define power is like some weird, I don't know, you got to be a, something else that's not you. The fact, like, Sarah is this amazing woman, but she just took this thing that she kind of liked doing and just said, God, I kind of like doing this thing. And she took a step, and then she took another step. And then—and now you hear her story, you're like, oh, my God, you're amazing. And, and I think Sarah would just say, no, I'm not. I was just like an anxious, overwhelmed woman who had a kid and was like I thought this was going to be my salvation and no I guess that's not fair I shouldn't be my I should probably do something else and, and, and then this thing this idea happened and you kind of pursued it and it and all of a sudden you're doing this great stuff and I just think each one of us are amazing and each one of us have unique little particular things about our history our past whatever that that all we have to do is nurture that a little bit and till that soil and just say God what is it what is it that I could do Sarah we'll probably stick around a little bit afterwards if you want to ask her more about what she's been up to, but I just encourage you each to, to realize how amazing you are, how God has filled you and where you're already planted and the, and the really cool things that you can do in your unique sphere passions whatever to be the new creation that this world desperately needs and and we can if we want to hold our breath but I encourage you not to hold it for too long because then you start to die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, or then you start breathing, you know, you don't we don't want we don't any more halitosis in the world, right? We just you want you want to breathe in healthy so you can breathe out healthy and and uh and be a part of this uh reconciling redeeming life that God intends for for all of us and, and it affects us affects us all. My thought is we could would close with uh, these words, the the uh the, the scent of the candles, and, and by the way, Jimmy put a lot of work into the little daily deuce, and so uh, thank you, Jimmy, for, for all that. <laughs> and my guess is you don't even know it, but that scent has already kind of gotten in your clothes and gotten in your hair, and when you go to talk to someone else, they might be like, where were you? Just at a yeah, Sephora or something? Um, and so to think about yourself um, in, as a spiritual person in this world, uh, what are you doing to kind of marinate yourself in the, in, the, in the scent of life? and of hope of, of creation of goodness so that when you go out into the world people smell on you the fragrance of hope and life comes off on or, or like what I guess my question would be what, what are what fragrance are you giving off oh. right and and, <laughs> and and I mean that existentially um, what, one of one of my favorite uh, kind of passages that I think is a great image and scent comes from 2nd Corinthians um, chapter 2 for 15 and this will this will be kind of our final blessing but the Apostle Paul says that as, as we grow in Christ, as we live in God and allow God to transform our lives, our habits, our thoughts, all that kind of stuff, he says we become, you become, the aroma of Christ in the world. And so friends, as you go forth in this place, I hope that some of the smells from the candle stick on you. I also hope the, the positive stories and ideas of the spirit of Christ in the room also sticks on you and, and, and lives in and through you so that you can go be a part of, and whatever it is, wherever you already are, The new creation that God is working in and through us. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you.